O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, August 15. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week, we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Ki Tetzi, and it means, When You Go Out. Deuteronomy 21 10 to 23. When you take the field against your enemies, and Hashem your God delivers them into your power, and you take some of them captive, and you see among the captives a beautiful woman, and you desire her and would take her to wife, you shall bring her into your house, and she shall trim her hair, pare her nails, and discard her captive's garb. She shall spend a month's time in your house lamenting her father and mother. After that you may come to her and possess her, and she shall be your wife. Then, should you no longer want her, you must release her outright. You must not sell her for money. Since you had your will of her, you must not enslave her. If a man has two wives, one loved and the other unloved, and both the loved and the unloved have borne him sons, but the firstborn is of the son of the unloved one. When he wills his property to his sons, he may not treat as firstborn the son of the loved one in disregard of the son of the unloved one who is older. Instead, he must accept the firstborn, the son of the unloved one, and allot to him a double portion of all he possesses. Since he is the firstfruit of his vigor, 
the birthright is his due. If a man has a wayward and defiant son who does not heed his father or mother, and does not obey them even after they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his town at the public place of his community. They shall say to the elders of his town, This son of ours is disloyal and defiant. He does not heed us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Thereupon the men of his town shall stone him to death. Thus you will sweep out evil from your midst. All Israel will hear and be afraid. If a man is guilty of a capital offense and is put to death, and you impale him on a stake, you must not let his corpse remain on the stake overnight, but must bury him the same day. For an impaled body is an affront to Hashem. You shall not defile the land that Hashem your God is giving you to possess. Nehemiah 9.22-10.39 You gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted them territory. They took possession of the land of Sihon, the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You made their children as numerous as the stars of heaven, and brought them to the land which you told your fathers to go and possess. The sons came and took possession of the land. You subdued the Canaanite inhabitants of the land before them. You delivered them into their power, both their kings and the peoples of the land, to do with them as they pleased. They captured fortified cities and rich lands. They took possession of houses filled with every good thing, of hewn cisterns, vineyards, olive trees, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate, they were filled, they grew fat. They luxuriated in your great bounty. Then, defying you, they rebelled. They cast your teaching behind their back. They killed your Nevi'im, who admonished them to turn back, turn them back to you. They committed great impieties. You delivered them into the power of their adversaries, who oppressed them. In their time of trouble, they cried to you. You in heaven heard them, and in your abundant compassion gave them saviors who saved them from the power of their adversaries. But when they had relief, they again did what was evil in your sight. So you abandoned them to the power of their enemies, who subjugated them. Again they cried to you, and you in heaven heard and rescued them in your compassion, time after time. You admonished them in order to turn them back to your teaching. But they acted presumptuously, and disobeyed your commandments, and sinned against your rules, by following which a man shall live. They turned a defiant shoulder, stiffened their neck, and would not obey. You bore with them for many years, admonished them by your spirit through your Nevi'im, but they would not give ear, so you delivered them into the power of the peoples of the lands. Still, in your great compassion, you did not make an end of them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and compassionate Hashem. And now, our God, great, mighty, and awesome Hashem, who stays faithful to His covenant, do not treat lightly all the suffering that has overtaken us. Our kings, our officers, our kohanim, 
our Nevi'im, our fathers, and all your people, from the time of the Assyrian kings to this day. Surely you are right with respect to all that has come upon us, for you have acted faithfully, and we have been wicked. Our kings, officers, Kohenim, and fathers did not follow your teaching and did not listen to your commandments or to the warnings that you gave them. When they had their own kings and enjoyed the good that you lavished upon them and the broad and rich land that you put at their disposal, they would not serve you and did not turn from their wicked deeds. Today we are slaves, and the land that you gave our fathers to enjoy of its fruit and bounty, here we are slaves on it. On account of our sins, it yields its abundant crops to kings whom you have set over us. They rule over our bodies and our beasts as they please, and we are in great distress. In view of all this, we make this pledge and put it in writing, and on the sealed copy are subscribed our officials, our Leviim, and our Kohanim. On the sealed copy are subscribed Nehemiah and Tershatha, son of Kalkaliah and Zedekiah, Sariah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pasher, Amariah, Malkijah, Hattush, Shebaniah, Maluk, Harim, Meramoth, Ovadjah, Daniel, Genethon, Baruch, Meshulam, Aviyah, Mejamim, Maziah, Bilkai, Shemaiah. These are the Kohanim. And the Leviim, Yeshua, son of Azaniah, Benui, of the sons of Hanadad and Cadmiel. And their brothers, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Kalita, Peliah, Hanan, Micah, Rehob, Hashabiah, Zakur, Sherebiah, Shebaniah, Hodiah, Bani, and Benuni, the heads of the people, Parosh, Pahath Moab, Elam, Zatu, Bani, Buni, Asgad, Babai, Adoniah, Bigvai, Adin, Ater, Hezekiah, Azur, Hodiah, Hashum, Bezai, Harif, Anatov, Nebai, Machpiah, Meshulam, Hezer, Meshazabel, Zadok, Jadua, Pelatiah, Hanan, Aniah, Hosiah, Shanania, Hashub, Halohesh, Pilha, Shobek, Rehem, Hashabanah, Messiah, and Ahiah, Hanan, Anan, Malak, Harim, and Bana. And the rest of the people, the Kohanim, the Leviim, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to follow the teaching of Hashem, their wives, sons, and daughters, all who know enough to understand, join with their noble brothers and take an oath with sanctions to follow the teaching of Hashem, given through Moses, the servant of Hashem, and to observe carefully all the commandments of Hashem our Lord, His rules and His laws. Namely, we will not give our daughters in marriage to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. The peoples of the land who bring their wares and all sorts of foodstuff for sale on the Shabbat day 
we will not buy from them on the Shabbat or a holy day. We will forego the produce of the seventh year and every outstanding debt. We have laid upon ourselves obligations to charge ourselves one-third of a shekel yearly for the service of the house of our God, for the rows of bread, for the regular meal offering, and for the regular burnt offering, for those of the Shabbat, new moons, festivals, consecrations, for sin offerings to atone for Israel, and for all the work in the house of our God. We have cast lots among the Kohanim, the Leviim, and the people to bring the wood offering to the house of our God by clans annually at set times in order to provide fuel for the altar of Hashem our God, as is written in the teaching. And we undertake to bring to the house of Hashem annually the first fruits of our soil and of every fruit of every tree. Also, the firstborn of our sons and our beasts, as is written in the teaching. And to bring the firstlings of our cattle and flocks to the house of our God, for the Kohenim who minister in the house of our God. We will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God the first part of our dough and our gifts of grain and of the fruit of every tree, wine, and oil for the Kohenim and the tithes of our land for the Leviim, the Leviim who collect the tithe in all the new, our towns subject to any royal service. An Aaronite Kohen must be with the Leviim when they collect the tithe, and the Leviim must bring up a tithe of the tithe to the house of our God to the storerooms of the treasury. For it is to the storerooms that the Israelites and the Leviim must bring the gifts of grain, wine, and oil the equipment of the sanctuary and of the minister of Kohenim and the gatekeepers and the singers is also there. We will not neglect the house of our God. First Corinthians nine nineteen to ten thirteen. For though I, Paul, be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not being law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know you not that they are which run in a race, run all, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beats the air. But I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers 
were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Yeshua. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be you idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Yeshua, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur you, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Therefore let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. There has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able to bear but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Psalm 34, 1-10 I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him, and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Proverbs 21.13 Whoso stops his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Deuteronomy 21. Then we're going to jump into Nehemiah and also jump into 1 Corinthians 9 and 10. There are some real gems in the reading from today. So we'll begin in Deuteronomy chapter 21. And I want to zoom in on verses 18 to 23, where it is written, If a man has a wayward and defiant son who does not heed his father or mother, and does not obey them, even after they discipline him. And his father and mother shall take hold of him, and bring him out to the elders of his town at the public place of his community. They shall say to the elders of his town, This son of ours is disloyal and defiant. He does not heed us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Thereupon the men of his town shall stone him to death. 
Thus you will sweep out evil from your midst. All Israel will hear and be afraid. If a man is guilty of a capital offense and is put to death, and you shall impale him on a stake, you must not let his corpse remain on the stake overnight, but must bury him the same day. For an impaled body is an affront to Hashem. You shall not defile the land that Hashem your God is giving you to possess. This passage at a deeper sowed and remez level, remez is a hint, sowed is the deepest heart of a passage, the deepest part of a passage, is actually pointing us to Christ, to Yeshua. You have to read between the lines and you have to dig. But basically, what this is talking about is if there's an extremely rebellious son who's wicked, who won't listen to his parents, who is very rebellious, they were instructed to take him out to the city gate and have him stoned. Now, did Israel ever actually do that? Probably not. But it's a principle of, you know, if there is rebellion in your midst, deal with it. And so, um, whether they literally actually stoned any children, maybe not. But I think about the case of David with his son, Absalom, and all the troubles he had with Absalom. And Absalom was very rebellious. And there was a period of time when David banished Absalom from his kingdom. That's kind of like stoning him. You're banished. You can't be here. You got to be somewhere else, far away. So this is the curse that Yeshua took upon himself. He took upon himself, he, he took upon himself the treatment, the punishment of a rebellious, defiant, wicked son. When he was crucified upon the cross, and while he was hanging on the cross, he was being pelted with stones by the Jewish people. Um, they were stoning him while he was hanging upon the cross. His face was disfigured beyond recognition. And so he basically took upon himself this very curse of a rebellious son. Then it goes on to say, if a man is guilty of a capital offense and is put to death and you impale him upon a stake. Well, Yeshua was impaled upon a stake. He says, then you must not let the corpse remain on the stake overnight, but must bury him the same day. That's exactly what happened with Yeshua. He did not stay on the stake overnight, but after he died, they took him down and they laid him in the tomb. So the penalty of sin, the consequence, the punishment of sin was laid upon him so that you and I could come before God the Father with clean hands and a pure heart and our guilty conscience is wiped away because all of our sin now is placed upon Yeshua when we repent from our heart. Continuing on, let's get into Nehemiah now. And there's this wonderful prayer that's being prayed. And in chapter 
9, verses 27 and 28, it is written, You delivered them into the power of their adversaries who oppressed them. In their time of trouble they cried to you. You in heaven heard them, and in your abundant compassion gave them saviors, who saved them from the power of their adversaries. But when they had relief, they again did what was evil in your sight. So you abandoned them to the power of their enemies, who subjugated them. Again they cried to you, and you in heaven heard and rescued them in your compassion, time after time. And so the cycle and the pattern repeated. The children of Israel would cry out, would wander away from the Lord, uh, get into sin, and worship the foreign gods of the land, and get into rebellion. Then oppression would come. God would allow an oppressive king to rise up, and they would cry out and return to the Lord. He would hear them and show mercy and compassion and deliver them. And as soon as they were delivered, they would return right back to where they were, like a dog returning to its vomit. He goes on to say in verse 36, Today we are slaves, and the land that you gave our fathers to enjoy its fruit and bounty, here we are, slaves on it. There's a couple of layers to that. It's true then, historically, they were slaves in the land of Israel, and that land was originally given to the children of Israel, but now they're slaves in it. But even as you think about it, that verse can really apply to God's people right now, today. You can think about America and how that land was given to the early colonists. <laughs> they called it like the New Promised Land. And they were escaping all the persecution, religious persecution from Europe, so that they could come to a new land and worship God and follow him uh, freely, without restrictions. And yet today, we are slaves in the land that God gave to us. And this is true not only in America, but all over the world, everywhere. We have become slaves to the new world order system. Slaves to debt. Slaves to nations spending way more than they ought to. Trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. The Israel Bible commentary to that verse reads as follows. This chapter speaks of Hashem's original promise to Abraham to grant the land of Israel to his descendants as an inheritance. It then continues with an overview of history, including the exodus from Egypt, the years in the desert, the acquisition of Eretz Israel, and the many trials and tribulations that were the plight of the Israelites for many centuries. One might assume that Hashem gave the land to the people of Israel so that they could rest in it at ease. And yet this verse states that in fact we are slaves on it. The land of Israel is not just a homeland or national territory. It is a tool, a vehicle through which the people can fulfill their ultimate purpose, to serve God and serve as a light to the nations, a mission requiring much hard work. So, Continuing on in the next chapter, chapter 10, he gives a list. They basically made a pact, a covenant, 
and he names all the names of the people who have signed this covenant. Uh, and I'm not going to repeat all those names. And I'm going to just get to verse 29 and 30, which is sort of the uh, punchline. Verse 29, and the rest of the people, the Kohenim, the Leviim, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to follow the teaching of Hashem, their wives, sons, and daughters, and all who know enough to understand, join with their noble brothers and take an oath with sanctions to follow the teaching of Hashem given through Moses, the servant of Hashem, and to observe carefully all the commandments of Hashem, our Lord, his rules and laws. Basically, they are renewing the covenant. And in saying, I will follow the Torah, I will follow the rules and the teachings and the commandments of God, it is stepping into a marriage covenant, a ketubah. It's about a relationship that when you say, yes, I will follow this, I will obey this, um, it is stepping into a relationship with the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and with Yeshua, because Yeshua is the one who gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. So they're recognizing that they didn't follow it, that they were wicked and rebellious. And now they're saying, we renew this covenant. And all these people have signed it, this pact. Okay, so continuing on in chapter 10, verse 34, I'll start with verse 33. We have laid upon ourselves obligations to charge ourselves one third of a shekel yearly for the service of the house of our God, for the rose of bread, for the regular meal offering, and for the regular burnt offering. For those of the Shabbat, new moons, festivals, consecrations, and for sin offerings to atone for Israel and for all the work in the house of our God. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The last ten verses of this chapter focus on the pledge to revive the many sacrificial obligations. The word for sacrifice or offering, korban, indicates its true purpose. Korban comes from the word karov, which means close. The korban facilitates a close relationship between man and God. Although the korbanot cannot, can only be brought in Jerusalem, the core idea behind them is timeless and universal, intended for all humanity. In the absence of the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, and its sacrifices, we use prayer as a means of coming close to our Father in heaven. As the verse is, Hosea says, instead of bulls, we will pay the offering of our lips. Okay, now I want to jump into um, the reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he begins in verse 1 with, I would not that you be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized to Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all did eat the spiritual meat. All drank the same spiritual drink. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ, was Yeshua. So basically, there's a principle being laid down here 
that um, did my own father literally pass under the cloud and pass through the sea and drink of the spiritual water? No, my father did not. My great-great-great-great-great-grandfather did not. But he's wanting us to identify with the spiritual forefathers, with Moses and the children of Israel, that we are in faith the children of Abraham. And so we are to view it as though it literally did happen to our own fathers. And verse 11 is really the punchline. Now all these things happen to them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So there's a principle here that I want to lay out for you, and that is what happens to the fathers happens to the children. In other words, biblical history is prophecy. That those historical events literally happened, but they are also a prophetic blueprint and a template for the end of days. So in other words, these historical things that happened will happen again in the final generation, in the last days. So back then, the children of Israel experienced an exodus. They were delivered out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage and oppression. And God is going to do it again. There's going to be another greater exodus. He's going to deliver his children out of all the nations where they're in bondage and in oppression and as slaves. And he's going to gather them in and bring them home to the promised land once again. So when we read these stories in the Old Testament, they are also this history that we read is a prophecy to the final end of days generation. So that's the principle there that I wanted to bring out to you. All these things happened as examples for our admonition upon whom the end of the world has come. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Yevrekadonai Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseh Leka Leka Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>